truth, then my Redeemer is faithful and true. And I'm thankful for that this morning, or this evening. Uh, this morning I was too. But I'm thankful for that. Um, even when we're not faithful, He is. And uh, sometimes we can take that for granted, can't we? Sometimes if we're not careful, we can, uh, we can end up forgetting that His mercy endureth forever. I, uh, I'll just give you a, a personal thought. We'll get into this message tonight. I was going to say I'm not going to take too long tonight, but every time I say that, I do, so I'm going to avoid saying that. Um, personally and preferentially, all right, I'm not a big fan of repeating lyrics on the, on the songs. We have a tendency to call that 7-Eleven, and we make fun of it sometimes, seven words repeated 11 times or whatever. But, you know... In my mind, I was making fun of it one time. Half of what I, well, in my mind, you guys get about 10% of it, amen? And uh, those of you that see me in the week, you know, you probably get a little more of the sarcasm. But uh, <laughs> but I was reminded, even more so with Riley seeing it, his mercy endureth forever. So when you read through the Psalms, I haven't counted it lately, but I think I counted it one time before. It's about 12 or 13 times, his mercy endureth forever. His mercy endureth one after the other. One opening statement, his mercy endureth forever. And it really kind of convicted me, you know, because you know, I, I don't like singing the same words over and over and over three and four times. It's just, and, and whether right, wrong, or indifferent, I know people have preferences, and it's just a preference. There's nothing doctrinal about it. There's nothing that's wrong with it. There's nothing scripturally wrong with it, especially. And I'm just sitting here thinking about the psalmist. As he pens these words, and he says, his mercy endureth forever. Sometimes, guys, maybe our preferences, and I'll speak to them, speaking myself, need to take a back seat, maybe put them in the boot, lock the, lock the thing, and, and throw the keys away, and just allow the words to say, even if it is the same words over and over, maybe we need to hear them more than once, such as worthy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Amen? Imagine that, four beasts around the throne, they have one job. Worthy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Think about that. So I'm going to be mighty careful in my own mind. I don't know if you guys feel that way or not. You don't have to. I'm just speaking, just being a little transparent this evening, okay? And um, kind of wanted to, to share that with you. So guys, I want to start this evening. I'm going to go ahead and say this. This is going to be an odd sermon. It's an odd message. It's an odd thought. Um, our text is going to eventually be in Luke 9, so if you want to get there, that's fine. Everything's going to be on the screen or the wall, and, uh, you know, but I mean, I, I'm going to paint a picture first. I'm going to give you three or four verses before we get into our text verse tonight, one of which will be in Luke 9, and we're going to kind of give a little bit of a timeline, but like I said, this is a, um, it's an odd message. So I want to paint a picture here for a moment before we get into our text verse, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ has had some marvelous events, if you think about it, leading up to where we will be going tonight in Luke 9. And obviously, it isn't the first miracle. It's not, the, it's, I mean, you know, it is a magnificent event that occurs that we're going to look at in, in Luke 9. It, it's, it's positioned between two magnificent events. But, but for us tonight, our sermon is going to take place in the middle of two remarkable events in Jesus' life. And it's one verse that if we're not very careful, we will read over and say, okay, well, I already know that. Let me get to the big thing. You know, as time would take uh, take us, even in Luke chapter 8 leading up to this, 
We see in Luke 8 that ladies from the city are ministering unto the Lord. And the Lord gives the parable of the sower and the parable of the lamp in Luke 8. And a few, a few days later, he begins to cross the Sea of Galilee when, and Jesus rebukes the storm all to his disciples' dismay. They're like, man, what kind of man is this? He commands the storms and, and, and they're stopping, you know. And they, they get to this land of, of Gadar where we, they meet the man that we know of as the, the maniac of Gadara. And uh, uh, they meet him. We see that as a recording in Mark chapter 5, that he presents himself as we. As a matter of fact, the devil-possessed man has so many devils inside of him. Mark chapter 5, 9 says, and he asked him, what is thy name? And he answered, saying, my name is Legion, for we are many. Now, guys, we're living in a world today, and I'm not trying to, to stroke the cat backwards, but I've told you before, if we're stroking the cat backwards, tell the cat to turn around. We're living in a world today that where pronouns are, are argued about and this and that. This is the root of where your pronoun problem is when one person says we. Okay, now his name was Legion. Now, Legion, guys, a, a Roman legion is anywhere from 12,000 to 36,000 Roman soldiers. What is that saying? He had at least 12,000 devils possessing his body, up to 36,000. That is a biblical truth. This poor man was a, was a wreck. He was a train wreck, if you will. And the Lord cast him out. He healed him. We would say in New Testament times that he saved him, amen. The Bible says that the actual words, he was found clothed and in his right mind. Jesus worked such a marvelous work in this maniac's life. The people of the town were afraid of Jesus, and they said, we need you to leave because of the work that he did. And the gospel was published throughout by this man. In the same chapter, we find this precious lady with an issue of blood. She's healed. We've spoke about her in times past. And after that, Jairus' daughter was raised to life. And, and by the time we get to Luke in chapter 9, the Lord bestows power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases to his 12 disciples. And the Bible tells us in Luke chapter 9 and verse 6, it says, And they departed and went through the towns preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. These men return. They come back to the Lord, testifying of the great things which had happened, but now the, uh, there was a following. Now I want you to stay with me on this. I'm painting a bit of a picture. not an artist, but I'm going to paint a bit of a picture. He gives this power to his 12 disciples, and they go forth preaching the gospel, healing people, and all of these things are happening. But now they're coming back to testify unto Jesus, saying, man, listen, we got to tell you what has happened. You're not going to believe this. And they're telling God, you're not going to believe this. He knew it was happening. But he's, they're testifying of all these different things. But now there's a little bit of a difference. There's a following that has come along. There's a following there it is. There's a following that's coming along, and, and he's, they're getting around the Lord Jesus Christ. They're getting around the disciples, and they're following him because of the miracles they had witnessed and they heard of. So the next event on the Lord's docket was the feeding of 5,000. Now, in reality, guys, only the men, Luke chapter 9, verse 14, were counted. So you're looking at about 20 plus thousand people if you look at every man having a wife and at least two children, which more than likely was more. Feeding 20,000 people, had them sit down in orders. So as we look at the events of chapter 9 in, in Luke's gospel, we see the feeding of the 5,000, and of course, we see the Mount of Transfiguration, where our Lord Jesus Christ was transfigured into his glorified body before Peter, James, and John, and uh, you know how he'll one day look uh, after the resurrection and the ascension on high. And remember, again, I'm coming back, there's a multitude of people that's following him. 
He just fed a bunch of people. You know, 20-some-odd thousand people were just, they just got a free meal. And these people would follow the Lord and his disciples everywhere they went up until some harsh words that we read recorded in John chapter 6. In John chapter 6, this is what we read. The Bible says, many therefore his disciples, when they had heard this, said, this is a hard saying, who can hear it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said unto them, Doth this offend you? What, and if uh, ye shall see the Son of Man ascend up where uh, he was before? It is uh, the Spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit, they are life. They are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning, now watch this, who they were that believed not, and who should betray him. And he said, Therefore said I unto you, that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my Father. From that time, from that time, many of his disciples, remember the word disciple means pupil, means student, means follower. Many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. In other words, guys, if we put it into our terms today, the preacher preached a harsh sermon. He called some people on the carpet. He made them understand what was going to be required of them. And they said, listen, I enjoyed the meal. I like the Happy Meal. I like the burger and fries. But I'm not in sign on for that. And you may ask why they departed, my friend. Why they simply did not obey, trust, believe, or have faith. Well, the answer is found in John chapter 6. Again, we'll get to Luke 9 in a moment. But in John chapter 6 and in verse 26, the Bible says, And Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Ye seek me not because you saw the miracles, but because ye did eat of the loaves and were filled. Jesus Christ called them out early. Do you know why they were seeking him? you know why they were going after Jesus? They were going after him, my friend, because of the free meal. They were there because of what they could get out of Jesus Christ. And this is the spirit of a thought, again, a little bit odd, that I want to bring to you tonight called entitlement. The thought and the power of entitlement. Guys, the word entitlement is defined as uh, the fact of having a right to something. It is a spirit, guys, which infects, if you will, and interferes in a society. It breaks down a person's drive to labor, to achieve goals, to improve self, and to simply take basic responsibility for oneself. A best-selling author and entrepreneur, Robert Liano, Rob Liano, said, if you think someone or something other than yourself is responsible for your happiness or success, I guess you're not that happy or successful. Now, those of you guys who, 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 uh, who see the videos on the Monday mornings, the Monday morning uh, motivational videos, you know for a very long time I'm someone who believes in and self-sustainability. I'm someone that believes that, listen, you got to get yourself out of bed. You're the one. That, it's up to you. I can't do it for you. Your partner can't do it for you. Your friend can't do it for you. Your coach can't do it for you. If you want to make a difference in your life today, again, like we said about the, uh, the, the children of Israel on the other side of Jordan, you're going to have to get off that ever-widening horizon. You're going to have to lace those shoes up, and you know what? You're going to have to go get what is yours if you want things to improve. Amen to that. Now, I'm saying all that to say this tonight. The spirit of entitlement will destroy that in your life. The spirit of entitlement looks out at what other, people's ha other people has and says, that's mine. You worked for it, but I want to take it. You see, it, it tears down the society that's built upon personal 
responsibility. And beloved, it's not someone else's job to take care of BJ. It's my job to get in bed on time. It's my job to get up early in the morning. It's my job to pray myself. It's my job to read my Bible. It's my job, if I want to go train and work out, to get up and go train and work out. It's my job to make my schedule to be, to be appropriate and prioritized for what's best that's going to work in my life so that I can make a difference in the lives of others. It's not about me. It's not. I'm saying all that to make this point tonight. The Apostle Paul even believed that. The Apostle Paul tells us in 2 Thessalonians 3.10, For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. Now, guys, that's point blank serious, isn't it? For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busybodies. Now, them that are such we command and exhort by the Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. That's serious events. That says some serious words. Outside of Jesus Christ, I can't wait to sit down with Paul. Man, I just want to hear it for myself. I want to talk to him. I want to listen. I want to listen some more. I want to keep listening. You know, again, I've said this for years on end, and, and as technology has grown, I had to use new words, and I don't even know what new word to use, maybe streaming today. But way back when, I'd say, I hope there's a VCR in heaven. I don't want there to be a VCR now. And then I said, there's a, I hope there's a DV player in heaven and, or DVD. And now I hope there's something that's streaming that we can go visually see the Bible. Amen. I want to see Paul's life. I want, to see, I want to see him preaching on Mars Hill. I want to see him stepping up in Philippi. That's what I want to see. I love the Apostle Paul. But when you break down his life, man, the Apostle Paul was a hard person to work for. Now, he didn't command perfection, but he commanded excellence, or at least the pursuit thereof. You see, my friend, we wonder how in the world did Paul become such a mighty, mighty Christian. Well, we know that he received the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, not the one that's written down by John, but the revelation where he received that the gospel would go into the Gentiles, that they would be saved just like the Jews, saved by grace through faith. We know that. We know he received uh, the dispensational teaching. We know all of the doctrine that we as a New Testament church hold to, Paul was given to it by Jesus. And we also know what transpired. And we wonder how in the world can a man be such, such a, a man of God, such a Christian as that he is. And we go right back to the root. We go back to Jesus Christ. How can Paul say, I'm commanded this by the Lord Jesus Christ, that in quietness you work and eat your own bread, leave your neighbors alone, don't get your friends, stay out of the refrigerator somebody else. Well, it's simple. Between those two events that we've talked about, Luke chapter 9, the feeding of the 5,000, and then, of course, the Mount of Transfiguration, the Lord Jesus Christ calls his disciples together, calls them together alone, just the 12, and, and, and he brings these men together, and, and he, he asks a couple questions. Who do men say that I am? And they go through that whole conversation, a probing question, uh, uh, to the depths of their heart. Who do you say that I am? And, you know, of course, they say, that, you know, you're the Savior, you're, you're the Master, you're the man, you're the Messiah, but he was building upon a statement that he would make, first about his death, burial, and resurrection, and then a statement which he calls out every self-servant, every entitleist, every elitist in the world today who were lazy and want something for nothing, Jesus calls them out. You say, whoa, preacher, I never remember reading that verse. Well, you're about to read it right now. In Luke chapter 9, verse 23, the verse that we typically will read over and not give two thoughts about, and he said to them all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, 
and take up his cross daily and follow me. Now, guys, this is the equivalent of what Jesus was saying in John 6. He's laying down the law, and all of these thousands of people who were following him because of the free meal, now he says, hang on, big boy. If you're going to follow me, there's something you're going to have to do. Notice the conditions to follow Jesus. First, there's a prerequisite we find. He says, let him deny himself. What did I say a few minutes ago? I said, it's not about me, is it? It's not about me. I was having a conversation with one of our members from the Cunning Valley campus the other day, uh, a bit of a conversation slash counsel or whatever you want to call it, and, um, and I, we were talking, my job, my job as a pastor is to equip and edify the, the flock. Feed my sheep, Jesus Christ said. What my joy, my joy would ever be, the greatest joy I can ever be, was for every single one of you guys in here tonight to become stronger biblically, spiritually, and scripturally than me. That would make my life goal. Because I want Tim to be strong enough to stand up for Tim. I want Sue to be strong enough to stand up for Sue. Okay, I want Rachel and I, and I want Hannah. I want you guys to be able to stand on your own two feet, scripturally, spiritually, and biblically, without me. Okay, you say, well, preacher, what do you want to get rid of us? I don't want to get rid of you. I want you to. I want us to live for the rest of our life together. That's what I want. I want us to have happiness and joy. But I'm looking for you to become stronger in your life. And the only way you're going to get stronger is you're going to have to feed. The only way you're going to put on muscle is you're going to have to eat some protein. Okay. The only way that you're going to get stronger is you have to increase the weight in your life. And the Lord Jesus Christ gives a very clear prerequisite to our life today. Let him deny himself. This is the first and the fullest requirement that he says. And there must be a recognition of receiving Jesus Christ by grace through faith. And you've got to recognize that it's neither earned. But the big thing I think you need to recognize tonight that you don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. There's not one good thing I've ever done in my life that would give me, that make me deserve salvation. Nothing. Not a breath that I've taken, not a kind word. There is nothing. I, I got nothing to offer to earn salvation. The Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10, uh, he says, For by grace, okay, grace, guys, that's receiving not what we do deserve, Amen. By grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast, for we are his workmanship, not our own, his, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Walk, work, get busy in what we should do tonight. That's that prerequisite. I heard a man preaching one time. He was preaching about faith. And one of the questions that was posed was, was there was a question that said, I don't think my faith is good enough. Guess what? Your faith is not good enough. You know what? You don't have faith in your faith. You have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You have faith in the death, burial, resurrection that he did for you and I because he loved us that much. That's, your faith doesn't matter a hill of beans. That's a southern thing in the States, hill of beans. I've never seen a hill of beans, but it, I've always said that. So uh, that's not what it is. If you have faith in your faith, you're going to fail and you're going to fizzle. But if you have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and the death, burial, resurrection, that's where you're going to flourish unto salvation tonight. Do you understand that here this evening? So the prerequisite is for us to deny ourselves. 
let's get on the workout kick. Who's going to be in early tomorrow morning? Easy to get up, isn't it? Piece of cake. What? I mean, you're probably going to stay up till midnight, right? Watching TV and you're not going to do that, are you? You're going to sacrifice tonight so that you can have something tomorrow. You know what you're going to do this evening? What you're going to do this evening is when you go home, well, I don't know exactly what you're going to do, but I'm going to give a scenario. You're going to go home, and you know what? You're going to get ready for bed at a good time so that you can get up at an early time so that you can do what's best tomorrow. Does that make sense to you tonight? It does come with a cost. There is a prerequisite, and that prerequisite in our life tonight that if we are going to follow Jesus Christ, we're going to have to deny ourselves. You know what? If you want to gain weight, you want to gain muscle, you want to get in shape, you know what you're going to do? You're going to stop eating the cakes, okay? We we know what happened today. But anyway, okay, it's been a terrible week feeding-wise for us, and and that's the bit of a confession that I'm throwing out there. But guys, if you want to make positive changes in your life, you're going to deny something to have something good over here. It's that simple this evening. The prerequisite that Jesus Christ says that you have to follow him is first and foremost, you're going to have to deny yourself. Deny yourself. Guys, when we begin to suffer, we wonder why things are happening to us. I'm not going to go around the room and ask, but we, we wonder, why in the world am I suffering? Why didn't I get the blessing that, that she got? Why didn't I get the promotion that he got? Why didn't I get this, 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 X, Y, Z, and blah? Why didn't, why didn't this happen to me? But you've got to stop and remember, guys, when self is denied, because we don't deserve any of it anyway, That's when we know what grace is. That's when we can step back and deny ourselves and follow through with the rest of what the Lord is speaking of. It is solely the love of God which, number one, gives us the opportunity to be saved and born again. Born again. Why do I got to be born again? Because we're born in sin. Jesus told Nicodemus in chapter 3 of the book of John, made it very clear, because lest it may be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said, well, how, how's he going to enter into his mother's womb? He said, be born of water. That's your fleshly birth. You're here living and breathing today. You all been born of water. That water broke. You came through it. That's being born uh, of, of, of flesh today. Then he said, being born of spirit. That's being born again. That's when you place your faith in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and his gift of eternal life because you believed on the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I don't know if we can do that without first denying ourselves. Maybe we can. But there has to be a recognition, guys, that we don't deserve it. A recognition to deny who we are. Deny sinful pleasures for a season to represent Christ outside of the four walls of the church house. My friend, I'm here to tell you tonight Bad things are going to happen in our lives. They have happened. They are happening. They're going to happen. But you know what? Great things are going to happen as well. Great things have happened. And great things are happening. Sometimes, sometimes bad things happen just to draw us closer to the Lord. Sometimes things happen in my life, in your life, so that I can say, you know what? It's not about me, but I'm going to come over to you. So the prerequisite tonight, the first thing that the Lord speaks of here 
He says that we have to deny ourselves. Secondly, we, this denying ourselves, when we look at turning away from the entitled mind, this second thing that we see that it is personal, and that's what I want us to really get a hold of tonight. He says, take up his cross. Now, can I tell you what an entitled mind will do? Hannah, this is what an entitled mind would do. Entitled mind would come over and say, well, that's a heavy cross right there. You got one, too. It's right there on your back. It's kind of weighing you down just a little bit now, isn't it? Hey, won't you pick mine up, and, you know, we'll just we'll go on down here together. So you, you pick mine up, and we'll be all good. That's what an entitlement, that's what an entitlement thinks. Entitled, ent- entitled minds and an entitled mindset looks at the what they need to be personally responsible for and wants somebody else to do it, desires someone else to do it. And that's not our job. What was the prerequisite? Deny himself. And when you deny yourself, what happens now, you, got, you, you can bend over, you can pick your own cross up. Because see, Hannah has hers, Denise has hers, Suze has hers, Tim has his, Whitney has hers, and I have mine. When I have my cross, guess what? You can't carry it. I can kick and stomp and have every tantrum in the world. I can say all that I want to. I can beg, plead, borrow, and steal. I can rob Peter to pay Paul. I can do all of those things. That cross ain't moving lest I pick it up. It's my personal responsibility. It doesn't work like that. Every cross is personal, and you are the only one that can take it up. You're the only one that can carry that cross because it's yours. It's a personal responsibility. Personal responsibility, my friend, is opposite of entitlement. Lastly tonight, what we see in the same verse in Luke chapter 9 Number one, we need to understand there's a prerequisite. We have to deny ourselves. Number two, we need to understand that we need to take up our own cross. We have a personal responsibility to do so. Number three, it's perpetual. What did the Lord say? He said, pick up your cross daily. He said daily. I lied to y'all. That was, I got one more point, so sorry about that. Daily. You know, it's not a one-and-done deal. Usually I thought it was because I'm typically three and done, but now we're four. So, you know, it's not a one-and-done deal, guys. If you want to follow Jesus, it's a daily thing. It's a lifestyle. Amen? Now, I'm going to tell you right now, I don't know about you. Uh, I don't know many or most of your past. I don't need to know your past. All I need to know is your present and your future. Amen? If your future is sealed with the Lord Jesus Christ, you're in good, you're in a good position tonight. If your present right now is growing or getting to that point, you're in a good position. Past is a past. There's nothing you can do about it. But this I do know. I know this for one thing for sure. I love waking up in the morning, early in the morning, a lot of times while it's still yet dark. And remember what I did last night, and not having a headache. Amen? You know what? I like the, the, the lifestyle that the Lord Jesus Christ commands. I enjoy it. He said, well, preacher, but you're, you're on your way to heaven. you got to have that lifestyle. No, man, i got that. Listen, I have the lifestyle that I live for the Lord Jesus Christ because of salvation. Amen. I'm I'm thankful I don't have to dip in a store and and hide from people that I may have offended or said something stupid to the night before. Because I guarantee you, guys, I would do something stupid. I I just mess things up a lot of times. It's a daily lifestyle. The Lord said, take your cross up. Pick it up, man. But it's perpetual. It requires one thing. Listen very carefully that the entitled community will never have. And again, I I refer back to the Monday morning motivationals that, that you guys will watch. I hammer this word quite often. It requires 
discipline. If you're going to pick that cross up, those of you who were in Passion Wad this past year, now we put down that barbell. I know we did, and I, we, we just had to. Our hands were numb, our shoulders were numb, and we chucked it down at the halfway mark, then we picked it back up and we carried it on, okay? I'm the first one to confess. I only did it because Hannah did it, but I'm just saying. I'm just <laughs> How'd she put it down? I'm going to put it down. Anyway, what I'm saying, guys, is to finish that course, to finish that with pain, to finish that with dignity, no matter how many times you put it down, but to finish the 800 meters, to finish what you needed to finish, guys, it required discipline. Because at any given time, we could have said, man, what's the point? Why am I carrying a barbell for 800 meters? I can't feel anything from my shoulders onward. This hurts. My lungs are about to die. They're coming out my ears. Why am I even doing this? It took discipline, guys, and it's no different than losing weight, getting stronger, than building a financial foundation. It's no different than proper parenting. All of these things require daily action. Those of you who are parents in here, you know for a fact that you can't just have a child do one thing one day and say, well, here we go. I'm scot-free. Amen? Look, we're still working hard, and we don't even have teens anymore. As of last Tuesday, she's 20 years old. No more teens in the house, and we're still laboring. Not as hard. Daily actions, daily discipline. You know what? Let me say this to you here tonight, guys. We'll wrap it up here in a minute. Even when you don't feel like it, do it anyway. I mean, let's be honest with one another. There are some days we just don't feel like doing right. Most of my times when I don't feel like doing right, I'm behind a steering wheel and probably behind a learner, okay, or Riley. One of the two. So, you know, that's that for me, that's the way that is. And there's days that we just don't want to do right in our life. There's days that we don't want to do right uh, in, in serving the Lord. There's days that we don't want to train. There's days we don't want to eat well. There's days that, that we don't want to say no to drink. There's days that we don't want to witness the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's days that we don't want to put away savings in our finances. Guess what? Put the savings away anyway. Say no to drink anyway. Witness the Lord Jesus Christ anyway. Train anyway. Listen, eat well. Do all of those. Do it anyway, even if you don't feel like it. And you know what you'll find? out. You're denying yourself and you're taking up your cross and you're doing it daily and the Lord will bless it with it. Feelings have nothing to do with it. Feelings is usually what gets us in a load of problems. My feelings are inconsequential to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, to his truth, and to my cross. It is a daily activity that we must be sold out for. So now when all these things are in line, all of these things come together, and all done and dusted, guys, we get to the final thing. That's when we can proceed. You see, they wanted to follow Jesus. They saw the free meal, didn't they? They saw the miracles. They wanted to hear him. But he says, hang on a second here. I know we just had a mighty miracle over here, the feeding of the 5,000, and I know uh, diseases were healed over here, and a maniac was cast out of all those multitude of devils. All of these great things have happened. And I'm getting ready to go reveal who I'm going to become in Mount Transfiguration. But if you want to follow me, you're going to have to deny yourself. You're going to have to pick your cross up daily. And Jesus said, and follow me. Once we fulfill the top three in our understanding, our compliance, our conformity to Christ, that's when we can truly proceed with Jesus. You know, I refer to the Apostle Paul's life quite a few times. 
But when the Apostle Paul got saved in Acts chapter 9, three days afterwards, and Ananias had laid hands on him. Guys, this is all transitional. It's not for us now. Uh, his eyesight came back, and then he, he took in meat. He ate some food, got his strength, and he went right into the synagogue, and he preached that Jesus was the Christ. Acts chapter 9, verse 20, okay, or 19. And then something happened between verses 19 and 21. Paul comes back, and now he's preaching. He's proving that Jesus was Christ. And when you tie that together in Galatians chapter 1, you find out that what happened is Paul went into Saudi Arabia. He went into that mount, and he received that revelation of who Jesus Christ was. He received all the things that he was going to teach and preach of what a Christian should be, what a Bible believer should be. And he came back and proved it. Preached in Damascus three years. Spent 15 days with Peter and them in Jerusalem. Then he was sent down to Tarsus, his homeland in Cilicia, the city of Cilicia, where he learned how to suffer loss. And he was there for 10 years. 13 years later, after already having received his ministry, his mission, his you think deputation for three years was hard. 13 years later, after Paul suffered loss of all things, according to Philippians chapter 3, the old son of consolation, Barnabas, comes and gets him. And he takes him to a church in Antioch, Syria, in Acts chapter 11. And the Bible says that Paul and Barnabas spent an entire year there preaching and teaching the disciples. And the very next statement is beautiful. And it says, and the disciples, the pupils, the believers, the already saved, were first called Christians in Antioch. Their salvation had nothing to do with the world going, those are Christians. The membership of their church, their baptismal record, the way they dressed, the way they parted their hair, the color tie they wore, had nothing to do with that's a Christian. You know what it had to do with? Their lifestyle. It had everything to do with the way they lived because you know what they did? They said, I'm not first. I'm going to esteem others better than myself. That's what Paul said. And this is what happen, happens, guys. The world is calling them Christians 15 years after Christ was crucified, rose again, and risen on high. 15 years later. They hadn't seen Jesus in 15 years. Matter of fact, I don't know of anybody in Antioch, Syria, that would have even seen him. But they said they labeled those people, they said they're Christians. Solely because they denied themselves. They picked up their cross daily. And they followed the example that Jesus Christ left. All, all happened after they believed on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. What am I saying to you tonight? I'm telling you that the world that we live in filled with entitlement today, if we're not careful, will rob, of, rob us of the desire to believe on the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and then to witness it because somehow, some way, we misconstrue the idea that we're all just deserving. And at the end of the day, we don't. For by grace are you saved, receiving something you don't deserve. Mercy, not receiving something you do deserve. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. 
Will you bow your heads tonight? Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity, this time to be together this evening. We pray that you take your message, that you write it upon the table of our hearts, that we will believe and apply the, the, the teachings of the Holy Scripture tonight into our life, that we would deny ourselves in many a ways. But Father, I pray that as, as we look at this denial, that we would pick our own personal cross up, that we would do it every single day and follow the Lord Jesus Christ for the purpose of being better ourselves so we can make a difference in the lives of others. Lord, let us put other people first. Let us look at a soul today and ask how we can be a blessing unto them as opposed to what we can get from them. In Jesus' name, we ask these things. Amen and amen.